Hey y'all, I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 310. And y'all, this is the day that the Lord hath made. Just kidding. But this is the day that the damn AT&T shit went down. Us Verizon peeps over here, we didn't know a thing happened. Well, I was fucked. So, no, really and truly I wasn't that bad because I have Wi-Fi at work. But a patient was like, yeah, this was only my... Second time coming here from my new house. Oh, he was shit. Like, so thankfully, I remembered how to get here because he's new to the area. And so I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. Like everybody who works from home, whose Wi-Fi was down, I thought about that. When he said that, I was like, oh, my God, I didn't think about people like needing their GPS to right. you know, live. Man, I would have been like, I can't drive today because I don't like it's not telling me what road is what. And I don't know. Right. Ma'am, you lived here all your life. Yes, but I still don't know. And then, of course, you know, all the conspiracy theorists. It's like, it's these people, it's these people, and it cracks me up. Do I know what happened? Absolutely not. Look, I'm not smart enough to care that much, and also too dumb to understand if I did care. Yeah. Like, it's just not going to make sense to me, you know? Not that I don't care what goes on in the world, but, like, that I'm not going to get my tinfoil hat on. Right then, because, again, I don't understand that. So, but if someone said, I woke up and I couldn't remember anything, I'd say, men in black. <laughs> <laughs> A little boop, boop action. <laughs> well, and then I was just all around annoyed this morning for some reason. And my work BFF, Megan, she sent me a text later. She's like, your attitude rubbed off on me. And I was like, I'm sorry. She said, too late. Finding a knife to stab someone. And I was like. I text her that I laughed at that. She said, I hope it's not you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. So I have a correction to make. Uh Uh-oh. It was on a Sinister Sightings. I think not this one that just came out. That was late because I didn't set it up. Like, Well, hey, it worked out because everybody thought it was because of the AT&T shutdown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Creep Mom messaged me and was like, hey, is something wrong with the Sinister Sightings? And I was like, nope oh, shit. Like, (laughs) oh, my God. But luckily, it was at, like, 7 in the morning. So I, like, ran in there and, like, did it real quick. But anyway, that's what happens when you don't finish something. And then I'm like, oh, I'll finish that in a minute. And then, like, something else happened, and I never opened that app back up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, oh, yeah. I don't know why I didn't set it to uh, do. It's like, this is my first day ever. You know what I mean? Yeah. But whatevs. But it's the sinister sightings before this. And I remember when I was listening back and I was like, did I just say maybe no one noticed? Because like, obviously you didn't blink an eye when I said it. That's not saying much. (laughs) But then Caitlin asked me and I was like, yep. Okay. You heard it. Cool. 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 And then also Patricia reached out. Well, she didn't reach out. She just like messaged on Spotify and was like, the whole time you were saying insert this word, I was dying. And I was like, okay, more people know. What What did you say wrong? Instead of ashtray, and it was about that one where the ghost was like moving the ashtray. Yeah. I said ass tray. What? Every time. Ass tray. Not ash. Multiple times. (laughs) And they talked about that ash tray. Honest to God, like, has to be five times. Oh, my God. That's so funny. No, I never noticed it. Like, I watched other people's ashtray to see, and every time. You just said ash. 
I know. That's oh, okay. okay. I was like, ashtray. The entire time. I mean, it's so brand for you. Your butthole opens when you laugh. I mean, but I was like, oh my Meanwhile, God. somebody, this is their first episode to ever listen. They're like, did she just say her butthole opens when she laughs? Yes, it does. She told us all one day. Right now, it's too- gross. <laughs> she just looks like a blowfish while she's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh god but yeah i just was like maybe no one caught that and then that night that it uh, yeah. came out caitlin was like so you said ass tray right i was like <laughs> uh-huh okay okay <laughs> that is not the word i thought you were gonna say you said wrong how did i say that wrong i don't know like what did my There's mouth no do R's. i know well there is an r but Oh, true, true, true. <laughs> like not I was, on the part you fucked up, though. <laughs> Me learned how to spell today. I know. I was like, I know. Wait, no, there is. <laughs> Again, not an R in sight. Trey. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, we're getting in deep on this remodel that was supposed to basically just be a paint job. We're really not that deep, but it feels that deep because I, I keep telling y'all that it keeps growing. And I keep buying things and we've literally done nothing. But you have to have it all so you, because you're completist too. Like, once you start going, like, you want the paint to dry right then. You yes. want to be able to hang up your mirrors right then. You yes. want the lights to work right then. Like, it's not complete, obviously, but it's like, it just weighs on us yes. that it's not complete. So, I'm looking at this bathroom vanity. Have I told y'all why I need a new bathroom vanity? Because, well, not only because I freaking hate it and it's not my aesthetic. But also, it's, it's terrible. terrible. No, like, it's really terrible. It's one of those that has the glass sinks on top that's like a bowl, you know, that it's sits like a on basin. Top. Yeah. So not my aesthetic. If you're into it, wonderful. But the problem is that the metal bars that hold the sink up have slid out. Like two of them touch nothing, like touch literally nothing. So every time I go to wash my face, brush my teeth, I'm like, is this going to be the day that the sink bowl breaks? Well, but also not, I mean, that's worse than this. But for someone who would put your laundry up, there was... This bitch acting like she put my laundry up all the damn time. She folded my clothes twice. I would always put your cloths back or have to get one have for the other one. Have to get one for the other bathroom. But That's like, more on brand. There's no space. No, no space. And the other thing, too, is that, one, it doesn't drain. Like, we've cleaned it out, all that. One side doesn't drain. But it's one of those push-button stop drains. The button doesn't work. It's out. Like, I threw it away. Like, there's no way to even stop the sink if I wanted to other than it doesn't drain and then when you turn on the faucet it sprays fucking everywhere Everywhere. like everywhere like Colby will come in after I wash my face and he's like what happened you can put it on like a trickle and it still (laughs) will go so like full blast it's so bad so I have been looking at Lowe's because that's where we have our card but you know wherever you want to shop but anyway so we've been looking at Lowe's and I found this one that's on sale for like half off and I'm like, okay, we need to buy it before it's out because the sale ends in like a month. And even though the sale ends in a month, they may run out, you know. But it's like, okay, we buy the vanity. Then we got to buy the faucets. Then I can't have the lights not match the faucets. This is such fucking first world problems. So I bought the lights on Amazon because they were way cheaper. And those came in today. So I'm like, Ooh, the lights are here. Yeah, that's exciting though. And then Colby was in the shower earlier. And he was like, so are we painting that? And I was like, yeah. And I have like this like tongue and groove wood 
And I was like, I want to paint the wood. And he was like, that's going to be so hard. And I'm like, I don't care. Don't y'all have a sprayer? Yeah, we do. That uh, I almost ruined because I tried to make my own chalk paint. Yeah, we remember that. Do you have any cement that you need? Because right. I got it right here. <laughs> Gosh, it, like Colby was like, this is getting so big. And I was like, I told you every time I do one thing, it's like, well, if you do this, then you got to do this. You know, if we paint, then we got to paint the ceiling because, you know, I fucked up when I painted it when I moved in. And there's some brush touches on the ceiling that will be the old paint color. So, like, we got to paint the ceiling. It's like, well, if we're doing all that, we might as well paint this dark ass trim that I hate. Well, if we do that, then we got to go into the bathroom. Yeah. And if we do that, you know, it's just like, it's so freaking much and I'm overwhelmed. But Colby was like, I don't even know where to start. And I was like, well, let's start with the hole in the wall. Yeah. Let's fix that. <laughs> Step one. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. I'll buy all the things, you know, just shopping on Amazon. And uh, that's so easy to do. God. And then I'm like, taxes are about to be due. Why are we doing this again? Right. We'll <laughs> just keep putting it on the Lowe's card and putting it on whatever else card. It's literally going to be like December and I'm still going to be working on this goddamn renovation. <laughs> and by renovation, I mean, we're literally just moving furniture and painting. You know, it's not yeah, really like. It's a remodel. Yeah. It's not like a, we're not demoing anything. Yeah. <laughs> Cut to April and I'm like, okay, so I had this wall. That was in the closet that led to the hall. And then I had to take that down. So then the whole house came down. <laughs> well, I think we haven't done this in a week or two. So let's talk about Patreoners. Thank you so much. Alicia T. from South Carolina. Macy B. from Kentucky. Maria C. from Virginia. Sarah H. from Tennessee. Well, I see you, Sarah H. And I give you Sarah N. from Texas. Brad L. from Louisiana. Alyssa R. from Texas. And Lisa H. from Pennsylvania. If y'all want your name said on an episode, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. And y'all there, I'm telling y'all, there's so much backlog of like episodes and stuff. So if you are getting called up or you just want something a little different, you got to go over there. We do all kinds of stuff. We're doing I Survived, A Crime to Remember. We're doing states, like murders that happen in states. <laughs> we did missing, like milk cart minis is what we call yeah. them. We've done all kinds of shit over there. Oh, yes. Well, you know, what's funny is someone who had commented on, wait, where's the episode? They're like, well, it freaked me out at first, but then I went to Patreon and listened to some <laughs> stuff. But you know what? Something about that post, too. It wasn't like, hey, where's the episode? Like, What's going on? Yeah. It was, are y'all okay? Did yes, something happen? Saw that. And it really is like, wow, people weren't mad that the episode was late. They were worried. Yeah. Like, wait, they didn't put out an episode. What's going on? They probably have trauma like us and pictured us dead in a ditch. <laughs> Straight to death. <laughs> very true. I mean, we're very sickly. It's not <laughs> far fetched. Oh my gosh. Listening to the sinister sightings, because we had pre-recorded though yeah i don't know why i did like a r that was really hard right there but i'm sorry <laughs> are you horny because oh, wait. i was trying to do the r well, do a hard r what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> y'all couldn't see her but when i said hard her little eyebrows right <laughs> okay with my mouth i was going r no but it pre. was like no I'm i like, said pre but like it was a yeah. Like that. Well, so with my mouth, I was trying to figure out what your hard R was. But I said hard and your little eyebrows go, Whoop. 
bitch. Just trying to figure out what your hard R was. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into my story, we have to talk about Miracle Maid. Tell me why do we always have a Miracle Maid ad on the day that the lady comes to clean my house? Because guess what I get to do when we get done recording this? Get in my bed with some clean Miracle Maid sheets. Ooh, that's a little jingle. I mean, that was a bop. <laughs> it really was. It's something, you know what? It's a lullaby. Yeah. Thank you. You couldn't see me, but I had my hands up in the, like, oh, sleeping I'm infant. Position. I'm asleep. Okay. Infants don't sleep like that. Oh. Neither does anybody else. Like, why is that the universal sign for sleeping? <laughs> like, unless you're not even sleepy, beauty slept like that. She slept on her back. <laughs> but you know what? If you're in Miracle Made Sheets, you're going to sleep like a rock. Or the infant you just referred to. Exactly. You missed a chance. My favorite part about the Miracle Made line is that it's inspired by NASA. So you know it's real smart. And it's silver-infused fabrics that help make the bedding temperature regulating. So you sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It doesn't matter what sheets I sleep in. I'm going to toss and turn because apparently I only like cardio when I'm asleep. However... Sleeping in Miracle Made sheets, I do not wake up sweaty. And that's like a big thing because normally the cardio is working and I wake up and I'm disgusting. Not Miracle Made sheets. So it's really a miracle. But y'all also know that me and Carrie, we are sickly people. We have a lot of allergies. We're, I mean, and also we're just gross, okay? Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> Actually, I was just talking about Colby, but you know. No, that man showers more than us both combined. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because Miracle Made offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding. The sheets are infused, like I said, with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacteria growth that help them stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. So it's not going to be stinky. It's not going to harbor bacteria that can cause allergies or acne or any of that. So you have these sheets that are really miracles, but also you sleep like a dream because they're so luxurious feeling. You could find these sheets at like a five-star hotel, but it does not have the five-star pricing. You really are not sacrificing the quality and comfort of the sheets at this price point. The self-cooling properties for just the better night's sleep, though, are truly my favorite part. It's just like this thermoregulating smart things to make you the perfect temperature all night long. I don't know how they do it. I'm just thankful that they do because you really do get the best night sleep ever. So stop sleeping on bacteria, stop sleeping hot, and head on over to trymiracle.com slash creep to save over 40%. And if you use the promo creep at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. And Miracle is so confident in their product, and we are too. It's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. So upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash creep and use the promo code creep to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that is trymiracle.com slash creep. C-R-E-E-P. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so last night, as part of the Patreon, we did our Am I the Asshole Facebook Live, 
which is like a monthly, we usually do it on Wednesday, usually the third Wednesday of the month. And Donna and I read like, am I the assholes? And we talk about it and y'all get to chime in and all the things. So if you want to be a part of that, you know, you got to head over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. But all that to say, on the episode, while we were doing the Am I the Asshole, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do for my story this week. Hashtag procrastination. And Iris A was like, girl, you got to do this story. And I was like, no tit. So here we are. Picture it, 1923, Rosewood, Florida. There's a really good article that I use the most by Edward Gonzalez Tennant. So just wanted to shout him out because, you know, it's really good. Now, because this story happened so long ago, over 100 years ago, and you'll kind of see why when we get into the story, centers around racism and the violence that occurred because of that racism. And so a lot of people didn't speak out until like the 80s. So I feel like some of this story, like we know what we know, but I feel like there's so much more we don't know that was lost in time because it was like this happened and then it was never spoken of again until the 80s when it kind of started getting brought up again with this descendant of someone involved and a reporter and all of that. And then it kind of started coming out. This reminds me of the California story you did for Patreon. I swear we're not just plugging Patreon. <laughs> but, but I mean, go. <laughs> <laughs> but we do that criminal state of mind. Carrie never remembers the title. I literally don't. <laughs> she just calls it the states. But it is. like She covers a crime in each state. And she just did California. And it was about San Francisco and LGBTQIA. Yes. And like where a lot of people in the story, you know, hadn't come out yet. They were scared of the retribution by police, things like that. And so it was like a gap. And like, that's just what I'm feeling here, yeah. too. So when this story happens, a little bit of background of the time, I think, is very helpful because it also puts into perspective still the unrest between blacks and whites, especially in Florida at the time, because there had been a bunch happening in other communities. But when this story is happening, there's literally a KKK rally happening in Gainesville just up the road. And that just adds to everything that happens in the story. Around this time, World War I had just ended. And a lot of African-American black men had fought in World War I. And they felt like they were going to be able to come home as heroes. And the segregation that they had faced before the war wouldn't be as bad because they literally fought for the freedom of the country and all of the things. And when they came home, it was actually a little worse in some cases. And there was a lot of civil unrest at this time. Also, I just feel like history really downplayed their role in World War One and everything, you know? And so like, that is it. Like even today, it's like now we have documentaries and movies coming out about the heroic shit that all black troops did and you know all of that that we didn't learn in school absolutely well even in the civil war that movie with will smith emancipation is so fucking good if y'all have not watched that it's on apple tv have you seen it yet no i haven't it is so freaking good you need to watch it but just like that there's maybe stories that have been shared in black communities that we haven't ever heard. 
But this is huge. And I feel like the fact that I had never heard this story until Iris told me about it just shows how whitewashed and all our education is. Rosewood at the time was a thriving black community with lots of economic opportunities for people. Although Rosewood had a couple of businesses, most of the people worked outside of the area. But one of the most well-known families in the area were the Carrier family. Sarah Carrier was a pillar of the community. Now, she worked for a family called the Taylors in this area that was like a neighboring community called Sumner. Now, there was a plant in Sumner that a lot of people worked at, but mostly it was the white people. But Sarah worked for the Taylor family that was another kind of well-to-do family. Now, she and her granddaughter, Philomena, were out washing clothes and hanging them up to dry for the Taylor residence. All of a sudden, the two of them hear this, like, screaming, yelling, and they're like, what the hell is happening? And they look up, and they see a white man leaving the Taylor house. It was nobody that they recognized, but it was something to take note because there was, like, a commotion and this guy leaving the house that they had never seen before. Now, living in that house was a young woman named Fanny Taylor. Fanny Taylor was married, and that man leaving her house was not her husband. So a little while after that guy left, Fanny Taylor comes out, like, screaming, crying, had some bruises on her, like she had just been attacked. So the people in the area, like the neighbors and stuff, are like, oh my God, oh my God, what happened to you? And she says that she had been attacked. Like, raped? Well, at first, she never said that she was raped. She just said that she had been attacked. And everybody kind of just assumed she meant rape when they asked her who it was. And she didn't say, by the by, we find out later, it was her lover. It was who she was having an affair with. She didn't fucking say that. She said it was a black man. But it was a white man. Her fucking lover. Yeah. Yeah. She knew exactly who it fucking was. Basically, he was there. They were hooking up. Shit went south. They got in a little tussle and he fucking beat her up. And when he left and she was like, bah, I was attacked. She didn't fucking say who it was because she didn't want people to know she was having an affair. Right. She was covering her track. Right. She fucking blamed a black man, this unnamed black man, of course. And it literally unleashed holy fucking terror over Rosewood. So her husband is working at the plant and gets word like shit's going down with Fanny. He comes rushing over. They call the sheriff's deputy. He comes and deputizes a few people in the community. And he's like, okay, like, let's try to find who this is. Well, they assumed that who did it to her was a guy named Jesse Hunt because Jesse Hunt was a black man who had just escaped from a chain gang. So chain gangs, if you don't know, basically is like this terrible fucking form of punishment in which people are literally chained together and work in whatever capacity the prison deems appropriate. So maybe on the side of the road, cutting whatever, you know, but they're just Chained together, no breaks. It's, it was like this horrible form of punishment. Not the, hey, you see somebody on the side of the road picking up trash like you do now. 
No, it was like a horrible form of punishment. So the sheriff's name was Robert Walker, by the way. So we're going to talk about him a little bit. And I don't think he was all that bad of a guy. Like, I think that he really did try to handle this in the best way that he could. And I mean, he obviously wasn't perfect. And now we would be like, yeah, he's pretty racist. But for the time, he really did try to help some of the people of the Rosewood community the best way that he could. So the sheriff got some tracking dogs so that they could see if they could find where Jesse Hunter went when he allegedly left Fanny Taylor's house. I think I may have said Jesse Hunt earlier, but it's Hunter. Now, this is why I say like the sheriff wasn't all that wonderful. So I want to give him props for where he deserves and that he really did try to save some people. But he's also kind of racist because he was like, let's start heading towards Rosewood because if this guy's black, he's going to go with his kind quotes. You can't hear this, but my eyes are rolling. Right. So gross. Now, it really didn't take long before there's a lot of people that shouldn't be involved involved. And keep in mind, the sheriff had, like, deputized some people, too. It's pretty much a mob at this point looking for Jesse. Now, as they're making their way to Rosewood, they see a guy walking, only basically on the side of the road. And it was Aaron Carrier, Sarah's nephew. Remember, Sarah's, like, this pillar of the community. And they see Aaron, and they're like, uh, where did he go? Tell us where he is. We know you know. And like, this is the mob. This isn't the sheriff at this point. And he's like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? So they start dragging Aaron behind a car. Oh my God. One, how can someone ever do that to someone else? I don't fucking know. But also, how is that your first go-to? How does it even go to that where this other person, allegedly, he didn't, we know he didn't, attacked this woman So this guy who just happens to be walking down the road, and because of the color of his skin, you're like, "Mm, gotta know him. And then he says, I don't know what you're talking about. So you choose more violence against him than, like, I just don't, like, it literally hurts my body to think about it. And I cannot even, I don't know. This story is fucking terrible. Yeah. So Sheriff Walker sees this happening. And, like, shuts it down. Puts Aaron Carrier in protective custody in a different, like, moves him away from Rosewood. Puts him in protective custody, like, 20 miles away. Because he's like, okay, gotta protect him. So, that's why I say, like, there are some things that he did right. Like, that was good. Protect him. Because he didn't know anything. And he shouldn't have been a part of this, you know? But as all this is happening... There's more unrest brewing because more and more people are starting to become part of the search for whomever they think did this, a.k.a. Jesse Hunter, who, why? I mean, they just assume like, oh, you know, this guy did like a couple of weeks ago leave, like escape from this chain gang. Like it was literally a couple weeks ago. Why are you just assuming that it was him? I saw this next part just on this one article that I told y'all from who it was from before. I mean, y'all, there are so many articles like Smithsonian. I mean, there. this is luckily now a very well-covered story. There's an article from the Equal Justice Initiative. 
The Guardian, CNN. There was a really good one that I got a lot of stuff from the African-American Intellectual Historical Society. But the one that I talked about earlier had this little snippet explaining how the mob came across this the next man named Sam Carter. So according to this one article, Sam Carter and Fannie Mae's actual lover were both Freemasons. Now, the Freemasons are segregated, but they were both Freemasons. And because they were Masons, even though it's segregated and one, you know, white Masons don't recognize black Masons, et cetera, et cetera. Sam Carter actually let the real assailant hide out in his house. So when the dogs were picking up the scent from Fanny's house, it led them towards Sam Carter's house. So when the mob gets there to ask Sam Carter questions, he is like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. And they didn't like his answers. So this is pretty graphic. So if you need to skip forward, please do. So they started to hang him. But a little bit at a time to try to scare him into telling. So like they would essentially choke him by hanging and then like release him. And then be like, okay, where is he? And he's like, I don't know. And so they do it again, like over and over and over again. Well, eventually he was like, okay, okay, I'll tell you. And he just made up some, like, bullshit answer because he's trying to stop this torture from happening. So he's like, okay, okay, okay. He's, like, out in the woods. And they're like, well, take us there. So when he takes him there, the dog stops and it's like, there's nothing out here because he literally made up a spot because he's trying to stop this torture. And somebody got angry with him and shot and killed him. Oh, my God. So then they hung him as, like, an example to everyone, like, not to, you know where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you watch The Handmaid's Tale and you think, oh, my gosh, like, I hope that never happens, it's already happened. Right. I forget the author of that. Margaret Atwood. Okay, yeah. And I don't know how true this is, so please tell me if I'm lying. But I heard that all those aspects of the book have actually happened in real life. She just put them all into this one, like, dystopian society. But everything in that book has actually happened. Wow. Again, that could not be true. But, I mean, I can't think of anything that didn't happen. Right, yeah. I mean, handmaids, the all the things. Yeah. Just with like a 2024 flair of, you know, having cell phones and all of that, you know. So now, Sarah being, again, I can't feel like I said this 45 times, the pillar of the community. People look to her of like, okay, what do we do? Because they're freaking the fuck out at this point. And she's like, okay, she opened her house to people to be like, come in, like there's safety in numbers, like come to my house. And things did kind of die down for a couple of days. But then this mob of white people hear that the people of Rosewood are hiding out Jesse Hunter. And that he is at the carrier house. So on January 4th, 1923, all these dickheads come over to Sarah Carrier's home. And they try to make entry into the house. And Sarah's family stands their ground. And they're like, absolutely not. Like, we don't know what you're talking about. There's nobody in here by that name. Like, you're not coming in here. So 
The mob opens fire on the carrier home. Sarah and her husband are both murdered. Now, the people in Sarah's house start firing back because they're just trying to fucking protect themselves. I mean, who wouldn't do that? And two people from the mob, two white people, were killed as well. So the mob leaves so that they can go, like, get more ammunition, all that. And they just start getting more and more and more angry that these black people defended themselves. You know, like, how dare they shoot at us when, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, well, you literally were attacking them inside their house, shooting at them. Of course they shot back. That's, I mean, who wouldn't if they had a gun? They would protect themselves. So this mob was just getting more and more angry that the people of Rosewood were actually defending themselves. Now, while this is happening, too, people are leaving their homes in Rosewood and hiding out in the swamps nearby. And there are a couple of white families that still lived in Rosewood, and some of them would house the people of the community, try to protect them, too. The Florida governor, Carrie Hardy, he's like, Y'all good down there? I mean, I can send you some National Guards, you know, if you need it or whatever. And Sheriff Walker was like, no, we're good. Like, we got this under control. Like, it, I mean, it had been bad, but it hadn't, like, you know, really escalated terribly. And he was like, okay. And the governor just, like, went off, like, playing golf and shit. Like, not even worried about this fucking civil unrest that's happening in Rosewood. Because... Right as the sheriff is telegramming the governor back to say, no, 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 we're all good, that KKK rally that was in Gainesville got word of a white woman that had allegedly, and by allegedly, I mean was not, attacked by a black man. And a bunch of them came to Rosewood. Are you freaking kidding me? This is when it gets really bad. I mean, it's all been really bad, but this is when it gets really, really fucking bad. Like, I can't make words because I'm just so freaking angry. The mob of all the fucking racist fucks and the KKK start burning down any building that is a black-owned building. We're talking businesses. We're talking homes. Everything that the people of Rosewood have worked their entire lives to build, they are destroying. There was a woman named Lexi Gordon. Her house was being burned down when she was like trying to hide to get away from the burning. And they shot her while she was trying to leave her burning house. Oh my gosh. So she was the sixth death. And then the seventh was Mingo Williams, who was literally just, and because they were black and these racist fucks had descended upon Rosewood, they shot them as well. On January 6th, some brothers who were actually white, they actually brought a train to Rosewood because Rosewood, despite not being this super flourishing, like economic booming area, they had a railway and a stop in the town. So these two brothers get this train and they're like, okay, we will take black women and children only on this train to get them the fuck out of Dodge. But we will not take black men because they were so scared that the mob would attack the train if they thought that they were harboring black men. 
So they're like, let's get the women and the kids out, get them safe, and then like we'll come back to try to help with getting the black men out. And so that's what they did. You had people who were hiding for days in the swamps. You had people who were fleeing on these trains. And then what happened is I heard on the podcast Southern Mysteries that the sheriff was helping to like smuggle out black men too. So it wasn't like nobody was helping the black men. They were, but you know, with the train, they had to do everything they could to protect the women and children. And then we're kind of trying to get the black men out in other ways. So James Carrier was hiding in the swamps. Most of the people that were hiding in the swamps were not coming out because they didn't know if it was safe. But he had been hiding and wanted to bury his brother who had just died. So he's like starting to kind of ease out of the swamp to see if he can make this happen. The white mob fucking found him. They made him dig his own grave before murdering him and burying him in the grave that they made him dig. Like, these people are monsters. It's unfucking believable And it's, and also, well, it's not unfucking believable because this has happened multiple times in America's history. But, like, the fact that we'd never heard of this, too, is right? just, like, this town was destroyed. Like, no longer existing because of this massacre. And we've never fucking heard of it. No, never. And all from a lie. Yeah. On the podcast that I told you about a second ago, Southern Mysteries, they talked about someone who had typhoid fever and they weren't able to get out of their house. It was, it was burning. And they stayed behind in their cellar because they were so sick they couldn't get out and that they were never found and that they were one of the survivors that had like actually later in the 80s started talking about things. But on History.com, they say that it was Lexi Gordon that had typhoid fever. And so she had to stay behind because of that. And then that's when she was murdered. So I'm not really sure what the disconnect is on that. But anyway, just thought I'd throw that out there. But basically, by January 7th, 1923, this mob had burned down every Black-owned building in Rosewood. And because of this... There was nothing for the people of Rosewood to come back to. So the residents literally never returned. And it just became like this thing that nobody really talked about. Like, what do you do in that instance of you've lost everything, but you can't even get like insurance money for your house because you can't go back. You know, like you don't want anyone to know where you are because you're in danger. And my thing is like, Fuck you, Fanny. You did this. Like, you know, there's no repercussions for this because they actually did convene a grand jury to try to maybe convict some people who were part of the white mob. And the grand jury was like, "Mm, you know what? Nope. Not enough evidence. What the fuck? Yeah. So in the 80s, remember how we talked about Philomena, who was Sarah's granddaughter that saw the thing? So Philomena's son, Arnett Doctor, joined Minnie Lee Langley, Lee Ruth Davis, and a couple other people to start finally getting the stories of the survivors. And they actually started publishing them. And then they took it even further, and the state of Florida set up a compensation for the people 
like for the survivors of what they're calling the Rosewood Massacre. They say that Sheriff Walker and Governor Hardy had been negligent in controlling the spread of anti-Black violence. So the bill gave money, like compensation to survivors and their descendants and established a scholarship fund that in 2020 they expanded to 50 minority students. And then they also made Rosewood like a historical landmark. But to this day, literally no one has ever been charged in the murders of the people of Rosewood and the destruction of every aspect of their lives. Oh my gosh. That is fucking terrible. Like, racism destroyed a whole fucking town. Well, and then, like how you were saying, how do you even get insurance and all of that? The article by Edward Gonzalez Tennant said that many of the families had ownership, like, of their properties for a while, and then they ended up selling it. So they said that there was this guy named John McCoy and his wife Mary that had 150 acres that they had bought in 1903. They ended up selling their property to white men for $3 an acre in May of 1923. Oh my gosh. Those men ended up dividing the property out and selling it for $10 an acre. Wow. First of all, $10 a fucking acre, could you imagine? (laughs) But it's like the cruelty just keeps happening over and over and over. Months, years, decades, lifetimes. After the Rosewood Massacre, it just was this never-ending cycle. So thank you, Iris, for telling us about this story so that we could share it and maybe get some more word out. Yeah, literally had never heard of that. And it was a massacre. Literally. So when Carrie goes first, I always know it's going to be a hard one. It's going to be one of those that either gets my blood boiling or makes me want to cry. This one did both. But... I'm doing a more lighthearted story, and we're going to Portland, Oregon. So when it was brand new, Portland was a pioneer town. It was like what we think of, like the wild, wild west kind of thing. Like, I mean, people were just setting up camp, trying to go into the wilderness and, you know, make their fortune that way. And we're talking about one of the families who were the early settlers, the Pittocks. Now, they were wealthy beyond wealth, and, you know, the who's who in Portland's high society and how Carrie talked about Sarah, they were pillars in the community. Now, before they were the who's who, they were, you know, just we tots, you know? So Henry Pittock, the father of the family, he was born in 1834 in London, England, but he didn't stay there long because his family actually moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania when he was like four or five. And I always want to know, like, what causes people to move, like, relocate to random places, Mm -hmm. you know, like from London to Pittsburgh or even like when people come here and I'm like, wait, you moved here? Why? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, but why? Yeah, what brought you to South Mississippi? Yeah. But when he was 19, Henry was like, peace out. I am following my dreams. And at that point, the Oregon Trail was a thing. You know, the game we played in elementary school. And we died of dysentery. And yeah. our oxen always sank everything and all the You things. know what? Why do you have to take all my jokes from me? <laughs> you know, 
I was writing a whole little script, and I'm going, hey, hey, with each click. And then Carrie just has to take both fucking jokes, and as she says, run them. Uh, what are the odds of the two things I've Well, I mean, dysentery, that's like the standard joke. Yeah. Like, the oxen, it was always dysentery, an oxen, or your axle. Literally, every, every time. time. Every time. But literally, I said... Yeah, tell me what you had written. We'll laugh, I promise. So he packed up his shit and tried not to get dysentery. Hey, you just say shit about oxen. Not, not yet. Oh, okay. Tell me the oxen. God, I have other sentences. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, the next sentence. <laughs> we don't know if his oxen died or anything, <laughs> but he made it to Portland, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> With one axle. <laughs> oh, God, that's funny. So when he got there, he became a typesetter for the Oregonian newspaper. He was lucky because his father had actually owned a publishing company in Pittsburgh, so Henry knew a bit of the biz as he worked for his father's shop since he was 12. But make no mistake about it, the typesetter wasn't a glamorous job. He was doing the grunt work and basically getting paid by having a roof over his head, and that roof was being able to sleep in the newspaper building. And hey, here's a blanket, that kind of thing. But he didn't have anything, and so this was just something. But he knew, hey, this is temporary, and his future was right there in front of him. He just had to succeed. Now, just a year after Henry had traveled the Oregon Trail, his future wife and her family set out to conquer it as well. And I said, they lost their axle. Oh, wait, I caught a cramp. (laughs) Oh, God, that's what I get. <laughs> Wait, why do women get those weird under the boob sharp pains? That is like men will never know cramps and like period and all of that, but that fucking boob pain that is just a phantom pain that is so bad. So bad. One time, probably the first time I ever had it around Colby, I was like, oh my God, like that. And he was like, what the fuck is wrong? He was like, that sharp pain right under my boob. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, you never got it. And then I found out men don't get it. Yeah, men don't get it. Sorry, now this is a tangent, but you know those machines that can simulate the pain that we go through? Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, you get to feel like a pain, but it's not inside your body. Right. You're never going to feel what we feel, like where you're just sitting there and your legs can't stop moving because the pain is so bad, but also you're at work. And you can't, you know what I mean? Like, But, like, my question is, isn't that just a tinge unit that they have on them? Probably. So it's not the same. I don't, well, it's definitely not the same, but yeah. No, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a tinge unit, so I, I don't know. And maybe it's a different machine and I don't understand it all. Because I, every time I see those, I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah, it's just one of those that, like, I don't know. Y'all just don't know, okay? Let me just say that. As we say to our mostly female audience. Yeah. <laughs> But you know what? Everyone's going, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because they get that phantom boob pain. When? We don't know, because it just comes out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, when you're trying to laugh and make fun of your friend for the (laughs) horror control jokes. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So now we're going back to the female of this story, and her name was Georgiana Burton, and she was born in Missouri in 1845. So the two met in June of 1860. They got married. And isn't that when a lot of weddings happen? Yes. I'm like, wait, when did that become a tradition, though? Because, like, obviously, I mean, not that, like, just one person. But I'm just like, 
Why is that a thing? I don't know, but I did not want a June or July wedding because I knew that shit was going to be hot as fuck. What did I end up having? It was hot as fuck. It was way hot as fuck. And when I get really hot, I don't want to eat. And she had some yummy little food there. And I was like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like, just sweat. Sweat. Captain Rodney's dip was so good. I know. Well, your recreation of it was amazing. That damn cake was the best cake I'd ever had. Now, that cake was amazing. I did not let the sweat stop you from cake. Yeah, the cake was good, and I was going to eat it. Also, your brother-in-law was here. Yeah. Cake, and I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> so at the time of their marriage, Henry was 26, and Georgiana was 15. Now, by that time, Henry had worked his way up in the Oregonian newspaper, but he still wasn't making much, but he was at least making something. Well, soon after they were married, He actually did a trade of sorts. He was owed some back wages, but the owner of the newspaper was like, look, you can have it in exchange for the back pay. And Henry took the deal. Like have the paper? Yeah. Shit, okay. Because at that time, newspapers were like really hard. I mean, they're hard now too to like run and do all the things. But there were so many like me and you could just be like, hey, let's do a newspaper. Yeah. You know, and so it was just so hard. But this is what Henry knew. And so he's like, okay, like, I'm not going to get that pay anyway. So I might as well make this trade and could possibly make money. Right. Sure. And obviously, since I said they were wealthy, we can put two and two together, even though I'm bad at math, and know that they were successful with the paper. And the Oregonian is still in print today. Henry went on to have a lot of success in many different ventures. He invested in real estate, railroads, lumber, and paper mills, like all kinds of stuff. He was basically playing like Monopoly, okay? He was also really big into outdoors, which is probably what made him want to go to Oregon to begin with because it's beautiful. Like, you know, so many hiking spots. Nature is naturing there. It's great. How do you know? Pictures. Okay. Because a lot of my coworkers, that's where like my company's headquartered, not in Portland, but in Oregon. And all of their fucking pictures are amazing. And they're just like, this, I took it from the bathroom, you know? And I'm like, God, wilderness. It looks so beautiful. Yeah. You know, I just got to give you shit for being like, it's so beautiful and we can hike and we can do all the things. Ma'am. I didn't say I would. I'm just giving you a hard time. No, I literally sent a message today to my, one of my old coworkers that I'm still friends with. And I was like, I don't care, but when it gets a little bit warmer, I want to just be outside. I am not an outdoorsy person, but I just want to like sit outside in the sun drinking some fucking lemonade or something because it has been so cold. I am so over winter and I hope we have a hot December. Like, I hope this because I was like, ma'am, it is February. I know this December. Okay. Why would you ever say that? It's Christmas. (laughs) I hope we are fucking in shorts. Don't Christmas. say that. Yeah, I am. Because it has been cold and dreary for far too long. Just because you are on blood thinners doesn't mean the rest <laughs> of us are. I'm fucking sweaty Betty. It's just depressing. It's so dreary. It's and not. It is. It is. Well, and I'm Hawaii then because I like it. <laughs> I like seriously, I'm just so ready. Today was warm, but it was so fucking windy. And so it was so cold. That's one reason I couldn't live in Oregon because right now, well, not technically right now, but they have snow and it's beautiful, 
but I don't know how to fucking do anything in snow. And we know Carrie couldn't walk in it. But back to Henry, he is credited as being the first man to climb Mount Hood. Wow. But as awesome as Henry was and doing all the important shit, you know, Mount Hood that Carrie was very impressed with. (laughs) She was more impressed about the Oregon Trail, but, you know, whatevs. Georgiana was fucking groundbreaking, okay? Like, yes, she shared Henry's love of outdoors, but hers was more around gardening and especially roses. She founded the Portland Rose Society, which now has like an annual festival today. She was huge into charity work and was a suffragette. And she was the founder of the Ladies Relief Society and Portland's Women's Union, which obviously was about women's rights in the workforce. And along those same lines, she helped establish the Martha Washington Hotel for Single Working Women. And that was basically like an apartment hotel kind of setup where women who were in the workforce and not married could live there without judgment and also have guidance from other women, such as Georgiana. Love that. Right? Like, they were pretty freaking cool people. Forward thinkers, all the things. But even though they were ultimately successful, they had to mortgage their home a lot to save the paper. And that's why I'm not a business person, because, like, I just don't ever have faith enough in me mm-hmm. to, like, okay, I'm going to bet the house. Literally. Literally, yes. I- I'm not doing it. You know yeah, what I mean? Me I'm like, either. nope. I'm like, I have the idea, and this is going to, like, revolutionize the world. You have to put 50 cents on it. Never mind. Don't have it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't have that. But he did. And she backed him up and, you know, all of that. And that's amazing. But they had to mortgage their house a lot. And then the Great Depression, you know, that wasn't a walk in the park for them. And Henry had to really rely on his business acumen. But you know how Henry invested in the railroads? I think that kind of gave him an edge on getting news faster than other newspapers. Because when the Civil War broke out, he used the Pony Express for his updates where others were using like boats and other things. Like, so to get the telegraph, they had to be at a certain point and all of that. So he got the news a little bit faster. But also Henry had a really close relationship with one of the telegraph operators. And that operator gave Henry the heads up when Lincoln was assassinated. And he kept it a secret until the Oregonian ran the news about it. And so then it like leaked out. So like, again, Henry's schmoozing and investments and, you know, knowing who's who really helped him. And also, I think working from the bottom up did too, because he then had to know a lot of these people to help with his job, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But can you imagine that? Like, hey, the president's just been assassinated and you're like, holy fuck, holy fuck, holy fuck. And like go into the newspaper to run this. Oh, God, that's so much. Like I'm nosy, but I don't want to be the only one to know something, okay? Right. So together, Henry and Georgiana had nine children, but three died before adulthood. So they weren't without hardships at times, you know? Everything wasn't roses, even though Georgiana loved growing them. They had lived in various houses while he was investing in real estate and stuff. But in 1909, they wanted to build the house of their dreams. 
And that's where the Pittock Mansion comes in. And it's still standing today. Because it was so grand, it did take a while to complete. But this was a home they would retire in. You know, they would live out the rest of their lives. So they weren't skimping on anything. It was eventually finished in 1914. Henry was 80 years old and Georgiana was 68. And sadly, because they were up there in years, they didn't get to enjoy their dream home for long. Georgiana passed away in 1918 and Henry passed away the next year. So they only lived there for four years, basically. And Henry's last request was to be brought to the window so he could see Portland one last time. So let's talk about the mansion. Even though I say that fucking word so weird, I was like, why did it have to be a mansion? Yeah, you do. You say like, Ch-. I know, I can't help it. But I think I do too, but it's, I just noticed it with you. But I'm pretty sure I say it the exact same way. Mansion. Mansion. Because you don't say like mansion. Right. It's mansion. Yeah. I don't know. But it does sound weird when you say it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a best friend, they said. <laughs> She'll steal all your jokes and tell you you say words weird. Well, you know what? The last time I didn't tell you that... You got roasted, so. <laughs> well, you didn't even notice. Some friend you are. You left me out there looking like an ass in a tray. Yeah. But, okay, so this is in the West Hills area. It's on 46 acres. Carrie's dream. I mean, like, legitimately, the dream is 40 acres. It will never happen, but it's the dream. Oh, my gosh. Well, this was over 16,000 square feet. 46 rooms and three stories. Not the dream. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. At work one day, it was just like, again, they just do like random things where like we can ask questions and stuff like that, where it's like, hey, what's the last song you listened to today? You know, just Mm -hmm. to like be coworkers and like have that environment, even though we're, you know, working in our PJs. But one person was like, what's your dream home? Like send a picture of something that you're just like the things you love. And a lot of people's were like two stories, you know, like nice homes and stuff. But like I was looking and it was mine was more like a modern cottage kind of thing. But I was like single story, like yes. never want two stories. One, it's hot as fuck. Yes. And I don't want that electric bill. But also I don't want to walk upstairs. No. And I'm too poor to have an elevator. Yeah. If I had a second story, I would have to have a second air conditioner up there and ain't nobody can afford that. Right. But also like, I want a downstairs master. Like the upstairs would be a ghost town. Yes. Like it would just be dust bunnies, like going like tumbleweeds up there because I would never go up there. It would just be there. My friend Christy has an upstairs and they have like their air conditioner and all turned off unless somebody's coming to stay with them. And then they'll, like, turn their air conditioner on and all of that. So it's, like, you know, upstairs air conditioner. Yeah. But, God, I love the look of, like, classic homes and things like that. But I'm, like, yeah, no, I don't want the stairs. Also, because we are so accident prone. Yes. And I would be that person that sat all the things on my stairs waiting to be taken upstairs. Oh, my God. And I would trip on them. Yes, you would. I just picture you putting stuff on the stairs and Jack's coming behind you and being like, and I'm going to take that. Yes. And I'm going to take that. (laughs) Though seeing Jack's take the stairs would be hilarious. I don't know that he's ever had to take stairs. Has he never been to the camp? Uh Uh-uh. Oh, because I used to love seeing Bo do them. The camp, if you don't know, the camp is where, like, Colby's house before we got together and we kept it for a little while and we finally sold it. 
the bane of my existence. <laughs> oh, speaking of elevators, though, the Pittock Mansion, it had one. Even in 19-whatever? Yeah. So, you know, it had all the lavish stuff you would think about. Marble floors, oak cabinets, you know, porcelain, all the nice decor. But they were cutting edge with technology, too. They added that elevator after Georgiana had a stroke. And, like, because, again, it took forever to build. So she had a stroke. And so they're like, and now we need to add an elevator before this is finished, you know. They had a dumbwaiter a central vacuum system, which I don't know what that was. What? My mom's house had one. What's that? Remember my mom's laundry room that had that thing on the wall that was like brown? It was like a big canister. That was the vacuum. It never worked in my lifetime. But you had little flaps in every room with like a hole and you would attach the hose to it. And it would to that. So every room had like a suction for oh. the central back. Yeah, when Casey and I were kids, we in between the rooms, we'd open those up and talk through them. Why is that still not a thing? It is in some places, but I think they were really hard to maintain and, like, expensive and stuff. Oh, because I'm like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I mean, I guess now we have, like, wireless vacuums and stuff. But think about that. I mean, you have, like, a, a pipe going through your house. Yeah. If you get one clog, I mean, what do you do? Yeah, and, you know, I am one of those people that will vacuum up Everything. anything. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, a penny? I don't care. But you can't do that around my dad. I was about to say, your dad is rolling over in his proverbial grave. Right? Proverbial. That was a hard word. <laughs> but yes. But also, my mom had this old fucking vacuum that she found at a garage sale. And it was like 25 cents. But, you know, my dad did his little mumbo jumbo on it and got <laughs> it working. And so we used it. I think it's still literally at that house. But anytime I would vacuum it up, like vacuum shit up, I would just vacuum up I anything and the change would be like, ticka, 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 and my dad would be like, Donna, I'm like, you dig it out. I'm not digging it out. Growing up, we had a rainbow vacuum and I was Tiffany so did too. fucking hard on that thing. And now knowing how expensive that was, especially back then, I'm like, why the fuck? Because I think my grandma bought it for my parents. She had one too. It was so hard on that thing, but it had water in it. And you I have to hated dump that. The water. Yes. So it was like, do you dump it? We didn't dump it in our toilet. We always had to take it outside and dump it. And then you have to clean it out and all things. Hated vacuuming when I was a kid. Yeah. Tiffany's mom had one and it was so like fancy, but also so gross to Mm -hmm. me because of the liquid. Best vacuum cleaner on the planet. Yeah. I don't know about now. I'm sure it still is. I'm I'm sure it probably is. Did we have a rainbow? We were poor as fuck. We were poor kids. How the (laughs) hell? I'm pretty sure my grandma bought it for us. (laughs) Oh, gosh. There were moments in our lives that we weren't poor as fuck. But yeah, then because we always had one my whole life. So Mm. and it lasted that fucking long. (laughs) I also vacuum up everything in my car when I actually vacuum it because it takes me so long because I hate that. That's as bad as bathrooms to me, honestly. But I'll just vacuum up everything. Oh, was that a pin? I don't know. <laughs> just whatever. I don't fucking care. Meanwhile, my student loans would be paid off if I didn't vacuum up all that goddamn change. <laughs> Dude, I went to take some change to Coinstar one time and it's like I needed that like $10 and I yeah. was like, I don't know how much it is, and it probably was like 30, but then, it, you know, it only gave me 10 after it, like, mm-hmm. counted it for me. I was like, I just need this as a quick thing, you know, because I'm still broke as fuck. But I was like, now, Coinstar is for us people who are counting the change. We need this money. Well, they got to get theirs, too, though. And then it was out. 
Oh, but like, out. Okay, it was out. I, don't I thought care. you meant the the fee. Just no, kidding. no, the fee is fine, but it was out, and I'm like, that was my salvation. They also had an intercom system. Damn. Uh huh. And a walk-in refrigerator, so it was like a restaurant style refrigerator. And as luxurious as it all was, there was still a nod to their struggles before. In the entryway, on the ceiling, it had foil lining on it, which was what Georgiana decorated their house with before they had money. She would save all the foil from old tea containers and use that. So I thought it was really sweet to incorporate that. And especially like in the entryway, like this is where we started. And then you go into that grand house and it's like, this is where we are now. Now, after their death, the mansion went to their children and their grandchildren because, again, they were, you know, in their late 60s and 80s when they actually were able to move into this house. But the grandson lived there until 1958, but he finally had to put the house on the market. It was just so expensive. But because it was so expensive and it was so grand, not everyone had that amount of money to pay for that house. And it was just too rich for people, I think. But then the house was damaged pretty extensively in the Columbus Day storm of 1962. So it was just abandoned after that because it was going to have to have like millions of dollars to restore this house. I don't know where this story's going. Well, two years later. Okay. It was set to be demolished, and the city of Portland was like, no, like, we cannot let that history be destroyed. And they raised money for the renovations, and they turned it into a museum. Now, also, it became one of the most visited sites in Portland for bird watching because it's so high above sea level, because it's like a thousand feet above sea level. Like, you can see four different, like, mountain ranges, basically, four peaks. From their windows. I bet Mount Joseph. Oh, now you know. You didn't know Mount Hood, but damn, Mount Joseph, you definitely know. Okay, Mount Hood, that's what I meant. Oh, fuck. (laughs) She is so bad with names. Where did you get fucking Joseph from? I don't know. It sounded right. (laughs) And me, not outdoorsy at all, thought it was a different one. (laughs) (laughs) Just believe anything I say. I do. Not Colby, though. No, that that motherfucker going to be fibbing on you all the time. All the time. (laughs) Anyway, I just thought it was so cool, like, to think about. He really did love the outdoors. So did she. And they were able to see it all from their house, you know. And when he said, like, he wanted to see Portland again from that window, like, that's what he was looking at. And, like, Portland was a pioneer town when he got there. And he helped industrialize that mm-hmm. and, you know, make it what it was. And so that's so freaking cool. But chances are you've seen this house in some movie. It's been in First Love, Unhinged, The Haunting of Sarah Hardy, Body of Evidence, and the most recent claim to fame in 2008, The Amazing Race used it as their finish line in their finale. Literally never heard or seen any of those fucking movies that you just said. Well, the you was like the general you, not actually you. (laughs) I have seen some episodes of Amazing Race. (laughs) But, you know, when renovations happen, it usually stirs up more than just dust. And more often than not in my stories, that's when activity begins. And the Pittock Mansion is no different. 
basically, when the mansion opened as a museum in 1965, people started talking about what they experienced when inside those walls. They said there were windows that would open and close on their own, but the windows were the older ones that had the latch. So, like, it wasn't just that the wind would blow it open or anything like that. You literally had to open it yourself. So, it's like, wait, no one opened that. It was just closed. Now it's open. And, of course, there's lots of disembodied voices and footsteps. There's also phantom smells such as cigars because there was a smoking room and roses, which was Georgiana's favorite scent and flower. And she has rose gardens like all over in the property. And I love rose gardens. That's not my favorite flower, but it's just something so like, I think because it's like in Alice in Wonderland. So it's so regal to me because the Queen of Hearts paints roses red. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, so it was just like, that's it. But we have our local university has the roses in front and it always looks so pretty to me. Also, you know that shit's not cheap to keep up, so it's like, they got money. (laughs) But another thing that's kind of phantom-like, but more odd, is that there's been reports of boots walking by themselves. And I don't know if it's like a pair of boots, like Boot Scoot and Boogie, but I think it might have just been like, there are some boots that are like, that's where he took off his boots, and like, they might have fallen over or something. You know what I mean? Like, maybe that's it. I don't think... It's just been, like, marching down the hall with, like, on a cartoon. You know what I mean? I was thinking more of the sound. No. Actual boots. Oh, okay. Well, I said they had phantom footsteps and stuff. Oh, touche. She's thinking about Mount Joseph over there. Um, Or don't tell Colby, but maybe Mounting Joseph. No, I was just about to say Mounting Colby. Oh, Lord. You started it. (laughs) So there is an experience where a woman said she heard some kind of commotion in the next room. So she went to see what had happened and she saw a picture had fallen off the wall. When she was looking at the picture, she saw a woman in a long gown and she was picking up that fallen picture. And the woman called out to see if she needed anything. But the lady in the dress just kind of shook her head. About that time, a guide came in to see what the commotion was. and Because, I mean, this is a museum, but it's a historic home. And, you know, so it's probably like, don't touch don't anything. Touch anything. Yes. And then, like, something's going on. So it's like, oh, my God, what is that? But the woman told the guide, like, oh, this picture had fallen, but this lady got it up. You know, she's hanging it back up. And the guide looked around puzzled because there was no one else in the room. No lady in the long dress. So most of the activity is thought to be Henry and Georgiana and the gardener. They all three died on that property. And the gardener has been heard in the garden. And they say they can hear what sounds like a shovel hitting dirt, you know, and then like some boots going up to the house. Like he's done his, you know, job for the day and going back inside. Georgiana has also been seen out among the roses And it's just a sweet thought that everyone who loved that house so much stayed behind to enjoy it since they didn't get to in life. Yeah. But with that, they are very particular about how the house is decorated and whatnot. Like both visitors and guides have mentioned where they have noticed a portrait of Henry in different locations. Like 
oh, it used to be in the smoking room, but now it's in, like, the fucking kitchen. Yeah. No, it's in the ballroom now. And it's just, like, I just picture her being like, no, he deserves to be here. This is where I want it, you know? See, I picture him being like, I want to see this room, and then I want to see this room, and then I want to see this room. (laughs) I didn't think about that. And with 46 rooms, I mean, he's got a whole lot he can see. Right? Now, some people have witnessed furniture and plants being moved around by people only to have the witnesses, like, look away for a second and then back, and no one is there. Like, they've vanished without a trace. One night, one of the staff members were locking up, and they had to turn off all the lights, you know, all the things, secured the windows, whatnot. They made it all the way to their car and looked back by getting in their car, you know, and looking up, and every light in the house was on. Just like that country song. <laughs> you know how often I sing that country song in my house because my husband leaves every fucking light on in the house? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. On Love is Blind, someone was, like, talking about their, like, big no-nos. And they were like, you cannot leave a light on and no TV on when you leave the house. And I was like, me and that person could get along great. Mm-hmm. Though I do leave a light on, like, when I'm going out for the night to come back in because I don't like coming into, like, a completely dark house. No. But... Colby may leave lights on. My thing is, I leave cabinets open. Oh, we know. Also, I was watching this freaking TikTok, and this person was, like, doing something, and they left three cabinets open while they were doing it. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, just close it. Just close it. Yesterday at work, you know, because I do hand therapy, and I have all these cabinets behind me that have all these tools in them. And my coworker, Kim, came around the corner. She's like, carry and i turned around and looked and like four cabinets in a drawer were all open oh my god that oops (laughs) that drives me bonkers i can't help it it literally does not even cross my mind the other thing i do i think i've told y'all is i leave the sunglasses thing down Mm -hmm. and colby will look at me and raise it like close it back and i'm like carry oh my god that's why she was a tasmanian devil (laughs) like that girl if you want to messy up something just let her come in because she's got four cups. Like <laughs> at work, they were roasting me about that today. They're like, Carrie's drink number one, Carrie's drink number two. I can't help it. I'm thirsty. Oh my God. And like she leaves them everywhere. And then she's got her purse, like just everything, everything everywhere. And she'll just like kick off her boots. Well, at least I don't walk around and I'm like the person in your story. <laughs> <laughs> so again, every light in the house is on. So they had to. Go back in, turn it all off because, you know, they'd get in fucking trouble. Right. And I'm like, I would be so mad at that. You're going to make me hit my 10,000 step goal? (laughs) Not today. You know that that's an arbitrary number that a shoe company came up with? You sent me that TikTok. Because, yes, she learned that on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) But it makes sense. Now, some people believe that the Pittocks no longer are residents, even in the afterlife. But instead, the house itself is alive. Like, all the energy still resides there, and now it's the living, breathing entity. Kind of like Monster House. Swear to God, I was just about to say that. Well, I'm surprised you didn't ruin my joke there, too. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we're on the same wavelength, and I don't like it. (laughs) And then when we're not, you're like, you don't even know me at all. Exactly. See, we're on the same wavelength, and you knew I would say that. (laughs) But whatever you believe, the Pittock Mansion is thought to be one of the most haunted locations in Portland, but all the spirits are friendly. 
So again, I thought it would just be a good palate cleanser because I knew you would drop a whopper on us. Meanwhile, I don't even know who goes first. I know, but I know yeah. who goes first and I know like you've been <laughs> doing some heavy ones. So I'm like, you know what? We can do haunting, but like make it sweet. And also that just goes to show you not every haunting is a demon or any ill intent behind it. Like they died, but of natural causes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so if they are enjoying their house after, I hope they are. But if not, like, and it's just like the residual energy and, you know, whatever, I just feel like the house is having its moment. And, you know, like, it's just a sweet thought. And I wouldn't be scared to go there. Besides, if I had to go up the three flights of stairs. I'd be using the elevator. Yeah, I'd be like, is that elevator still working? Be like, ma'am, the cable was only for this much weight. Well, you know what? If the elevator at the Fox Theater can hold us, this can. Well, I was scared, okay? I mean, I didn't say I wasn't scared. I just said it (laughs) held us. Did you die? No, but I was in a tight seat. (laughs) When I almost did die was when I was having like one of the worst periods in my life. But Carrie said, you better go to the fucking Houston rodeo with me. That's not how that went down. What'd you say? I said, you're going to hurt either at home or you're going to hurt at the rodeo. And we bought fucking tickets. So we're going. (laughs) And it wasn't about hurting. It was that I would have floated and lived from the Titanic sinking because I had so many pads on (laughs) and I had to waddle like fucking Donald Duck or fucking what's his name from Rugrats. Meanwhile, what are our conversations this week? This episode? I know. They're very like female centric. Oh, they are. Well, Probably because I'm about to start. What's that goddamn kid's name on Rugrats? I'm sitting here racking my brain. I could have went, Doug? No, he had his own show. No. Phil? Phil no, was one Phil of the... Was Phil a... Philia Pickle. Tommy Pickle. Tommy. I was thinking Johnny, and I was like, that's not it. But, like, how he would fucking walk, that was basically mm-hmm. me. But also, we had to go up the stairs, and I was like... and we I'm were, go- We were at the top. It was yeah. terrible. I was like, oh, I'm going, and she was like, almost there, and I was like, okay. Oh, my God, my legs, my legs, my legs, we're here. And then I was like, basically, my fupa was on someone's head in front of me <laughs> because the seats were so fucking tight. I couldn't compress my hips enough, and my hips don't lie, into that fucking seat. And I was like, love it. I love this for us. Are you done complaining about our life experiences? <laughs> did you have fun? No. <laughs> and who did we go see? The Bear Bear Terry. Terry. <laughs> Though I did see the mutton chopping or mutton whatever. Mutton busting. Yeah, that see, was worth funny. It. That was worth okay, it. Okay, could have seen that on TikTok years later and still love that. Worth it, though. <laughs> seen it in person. Mutton busting is the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It is where like a six-year-old rides a sheep until they can't ride anymore, and it is funny. Oh, gosh. Well, I hope y'all have like been on this roller coaster with us. This like It's been a lot of tangents. It has, but good ones, I feel like. Yeah. Also, though, when I was doing this story, like when I was reading it to you now, I just thought about that the city of Portland was like, wait, this one house should not be demolished, should not do any of this. Like, this is history. But the whole fucking town of Rosewood was gone. Yeah. And we never even fucking knew about it until right now. Like, that's just wild. I know. And fucking same time, basically, you know? I mean, gosh. Well, y'all keep the story suggestions coming because y'all never disappoint. Right. Y'all know some shit. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review, all the things. And remember, creep it real and don't don't get scared. scared.